welcome to episode 119 of In The Move Podcast. I'm Callum Reid. And I am a very tired Peter Shepherd because I've been playing football. Yes. Uh, this is the second time we've exchanged pleasantries because we've just lost... Ever. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> just met him last week. <laughs> oh, God. 119 weeks we've done this. God. Um... Yeah, so... It's my longest relationship. <laughs> Is it? Would it be your longest relationship? I haven't done two years, no. I haven't either, actually. It's not natural, is it? To do two years? No. Well, that's well. what's that, like armed robbery? Are you quitting marriage? With, well, not Yeah, marriage. you know how, like, when someone d- 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 does 25 years, they're like, I could have killed someone. I'd be out now. Without any kids to pay yeah. for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. What was that thing I was... Oh, it was honeymoon the other week where I was just, just destroying the sanctity of marriage. Well, narrowed down. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, okay. This week, uh, Pete still hasn't got a house. No. Um, Although apparently I'm getting an update tomorrow. Heard that one before. <laughs> Um, and also, Pete's half marathon is on Sunday. Yes, it is. And did last week's promotion boost? I haven't even looked. Well, I haven't had an email, but it just. <laughs> See, my my brother says that it was the worst thing I could possibly do was when I announced that on Facebook was just to say that the reason I was doing it was so that when they ask me for an extra pound, I can say, <laughs> I "Made a hundred quid for you last year." Jog on. Oh, I did. Yeah, it's not exactly, you know, noble, is it? Well, no, but the arts are important. I mean, it shouldn't just feel like every time you run for charity, it has to be for cancer research or leukemia. There are, I mean, the thing is, if I'd have, if I was going to run for something medical, I'd run for uh, mental mental health. But yes, I, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't narrow it down. Which one would I pick? <laughs> what? Which mental illness? Well, no, which mental health charity would I pick? Oh, right. Yeah. There's loads, and not them. There's no, no one like defining one. There isn't something that you can just chuck an ice bucket over your head and say, "Text five pounds to this number." Yeah, I wonder if there's a schizo watch. Yeah, it's called um, my ex girlfriends that I've blocked on Facebook. <laughs> oh my god, has it come to that? <laughs> oh, we'll have, to, we'll have to talk. We'll have to talk about this later. <laughs> god, okay. This is not turning out to be a good um, advert for relationships so far. Start, start as you mean to go on. Start as you mean to go on. <laughs> okay, um, sporting news. We've just got a little bit England um, uh, off to a winning, well, continuing winning form mm. while playing nobody. <laughs> yeah. And um, Raheem Sterling showing himself up or showing Brendan Rodgers up. Yeah. It's, my, I think on the radio today they've been saying, uh, we know that people are ringing in saying that they work hard and they work 40 hours a week and, and they, they still have to do it even though they're tired, but he's an athlete. But well, they I don't get a grand is, an hour, do they? Well, no, no, no. But what I would say is that I work 40 hours a week and then on top of that, I, I teach uh, 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 10, 10, 10 or so piano lessons or guitar lessons a week. And on top of that, I'm doing tw- 10, 20 miles a week uh, on mul- multiple days uh, to train for this half marathon. 
And I'm, I, I don't think I'm too tired to do it. And I'm not getting paid for it. And I'm not 19 years old. I'm 34. My, this is when my body should be starting to break down. <laughs> yeah. Give it time. <laughs> <laughs> give, give it a few days. <laughs> um, yeah. But good luck for the half marathon anyway. Mm, thank you. And I couldn't do it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I There's a girl at work, actually. She's doing a half marathon. But she's doing it in Amsterdam. I thought you were going to say, but she's she's already she already had the first half today. Yeah. She's just put put it in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, don't they don't even exist anymore. That's a bad I know. Joke. <laughs> That's a very eighties British joke. <laughs> but she's doing it in Amsterdam. It's all flat, isn't it? That's I mean, nice. I mean, she's still got to run a long way. That's good. Hmm. But she's not going to be the hills of Sutton are not going to be. Well, no. In Birmingham, it is flat until the end, and then at the end, you've got to go up this. After twelve miles, you've got to go up a really pretty severe hill to get to the top of Broad Street, which is where my cinema, Cineworld Cinema, is. Yes. But, so that is going to be brutal. Yes. Okay. Right. Mm. Film news. Yes. One bit of please. film news. It's um, Stephen Frears is getting a BAFTA fellowship, following on from Al Pacino's couple of weeks ago or a month ago. Mm. So that I mean, they handed them out like. Um, Blue Peter badges these days. <laughs> Another 80s reference, lovely. <laughs> is it not still going, Blue Peter? I've no idea. I think it is. I'm never in. <laughs> I'm never in. <laughs> oh, God. I wonder if Connie Hook's still on it. Oh, God. Do they still have pets? Or is it politically incorrect to actually have hounds now? Well, this was the problem. They used to have pets and the pets used to die. <laughs> and they had to explain... What happened? It's got a new set of puppies. Yeah, while trying not to um, inflict death upon the poor children watching it. It's a good educational purpose, I suppose. Mm. Anyway, um, Stephen Frears. <laughs> I wonder if Stephen Frears has got any pets. Um, he started his career with My Beautiful Laundrette, mm. which... Which I described earlier as a seminal gay film, and, and Cal t- uh, thought it was, that was uh, potentially amusing. Yeah, yeah, I thought you handled <laughs> yourself well there. But it is it it's it's a great film for a start. It's got a great performance by Daniel Day Lewis in it, um, as per usual. Mm. But not much of <laughs> what? Not much of what? A challenge a... to get a good performance out of Danny Day Lewis. <laughs> true and it's also quite interesting from a racial point of view in the yeah. 80s as well yeah very I think the sporting app performances are the undimensioned ones uh, in that who would that be uh, the Asian dad I think, is it Roshan Shitse is it the guy from Gandhi yes think, Papa yeah, think, yes yeah I think he's very good I think he's somewhere around my lineup. yeah it's not like East is East as well. I was expecting it to be more like that. It's quite, um, I don't know, it's quite subtle. Mm. Uh, we have Dangerous Liaisons, which you're not a fan of. No, I think it's... Actually, I, I like Dangerous Liaisons. It's just because I'm not a fan of Glenn Close in general. Um, I think that's probably a better performance. Um, I like it's the all end. About, it's all thing. about Malkovich for me, that film. Right. Yeah, and I think Fife is a little bit weak. I, I can't. I, can I do as well. Yeah, I, c- yeah, because she got nominated as well, mm. and Markovic didn't. 
And we were talking earlier about uh, not Cary Grant getting nominated. Don't ask how we got onto that. Cary Grant getting nominated for the wrong uh, films, but I mean Michelle Pfeiffer. How she, oh, how she didn't win for Fabulous Baker Boys. Yeah, I'm shaking my head just not because I can't remember, just because I'm thinking about it. <laughs> or supporting actress for Batman Returns, which she might have got nominated for. There's a lot of talk in 2002 for White Oleander. Yes, uh, very good in that. This is where we lament Alison Lohman's career. <laughs> God, yeah. Although she did do Drag Me to Hell, which I liked. This is where we lament Alison Lohman's career. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to add DB at some point during this podcast so we can talk about her possible comeback. Mm. Um, that's just one Lohan. It's a possible comeback. So uh, I thought I thought that was like a uh, you've got like five low hands. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a star rating on the, using Lindsay as the uh, the baseline on how far you have to come back. Have you heard about this David Mamet play she's doing in London at the moment? Vaguely, vaguely. She she had to be prompted for a line on the press screening, um. Yeah. So she didn't get really, you know, she got a bit criticised for that. But then every publication that have gone since, she's getting pretty good reviews for it. She's a good actress. She is. She's, she's got talent. She has. This is what's so frustrating. <laughs> it's the most frustrating thing. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully, there'll be a roll around the corner. Anyway, Stephen Frears. Uh, the Grifters, we have 1990, which he got nominated for Lone Director. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned it's quite like American Hustle in that it's got split screen and it's got music and it's a little bit try hard. Well, we mentioned American Hustle, but it's more in terms of the, the, the vibe those nominations give uh, from the time. Uh, yeah, then we skip forward to The Queen, which is obviously me and Cal don't agree on, but I mean, most people... Well, hold on, I like The Queen. <laughs> I, I, I think I no, but the... I think it's like the best of the uh, Best Picture nominees that year. And shockingly, I think the best is... Oh no, it's the, is that The Departed year? Yes. Yeah, I, although I really like Letters from Iwo Jima as well. But, really? Yeah. So I think that was a pretty good year overall. I don't. I don't. I think. Dislike I think. With um, I I think if you, if you compare them with the last couple of years, then yeah. If you compare them with oh four and oh five, which were just so incredibly, incredibly deep, uh, both in terms of five star and four star films. I mean, two thousand and five's got. So many. I think uh, something like uh, 2006 has got a is very 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 deep in in four star level films. I think it's got like, it's got like a 20 or 30 for me. It's got a load. Yeah. No, I'd I'd go along with that. I wouldn't say there were many five star films. Mm. I really liked uh, Inland Empire and. Um, I want to shout out Requiem. Requiem, yes. Sandra Huller. Hans, yeah. Hans Excellent Christian performance. Smith. Yeah, great film. Um, you've got Volver. I'm trying to think. London to Brighton. Yeah, that's very good. Um, oh, um, Conversations with Other Women. Yes. Marie Antoinette, I want to mention. <laughs> I love The Painted Veil. Shoot, yeah. shoot me dead, I liked it. But none of them awards contenders, so... No. Yeah. Anyway, um, Frears, he also did... A film I've never seen called Dirty Pretty Things. You know what? I've 
It's just one I never got round to. It's Chiwetel Ejiofor and Audrey Tord too. It's about prostitution. Stephen Knight wrote it, so of course it's about prostitution. <laughs> and, and religious metaphors, obviously. Uh, that's why I've not gone... Really, that's... in Looking back on it, that's why I've not gone there. The Stephen Knight thing. I don't like the name of the film. Maybe that's no. just put me off. No, it used to be on Sky all the time, but I never really fancied it. Didn't it get... Let's say it got a screenplay nomination. Did it I get? I think it, it might well have been adapted screenplay. It's very possibly. Yeah. Uh, we also have Mrs. Henderson presents, which uh, c- continuing the best actress nominations, he's managed to get two for Judy Dench, Helen Mirren, and um, Glenn Close and Angelica Houston. But uh, Mrs. Henderson presents pretty light on the ground and quite manipulative in the second half, but. A good watch. Entertaining. Entertaining. Will Young's not bad in it, surprisingly. Or Riley. Let's not go there. (laughs) (laughs) No spider tattoos in this one. No. Um, But, yeah. Nominations are stretch. Uh, Well, a lot of the nominations uh, that year were a stretch. (laughs) Yeah. Did you see my Mrs. Henderson... Reference in the summary of last week's podcast. No. Okay. I did read it, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Okay. And then Philomena. So, what's. Are you Philomena or the Queen? Which is the better film? Oosh. Because he's your boy, really, isn't he? Uh. I think Philomena is better written. I think that the Queen is better made. How's that for sitting on the fence? Firmly. Yeah. Impaled. Okay. Straddling the fence. <laughs> with my seminal gay work. That's what we all aim for. Okay. Um, on to the London Film Festival, which I've been attending this week. Mm. Uh, and um, it's my... And I have not. <laughs> Pete has not bothered to come down. He's going to come down. To cow's chagrin. Ended. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm not even getting to London. I'm just going to Oxbridge. <laughs> it's yeah, that's London. It's close enough, is it? It's on the so it's on the line. It's on the tube. It's on the tube. It's, it's the very end. Anyway, um, so I'm gonna dish. Well, talk about four films um that I've seen. The first of which is the new girlfriend, which is the film from Francois Ozon, who we like. Mm, we do. Don't know how you couldn't, unless you were a raging homophobe. Or you just don't like quirk. Well, um, isn't this thing... Is Francois Ozon that I read that he's bisexual and has slept with a lot of the actors he's worked with? I thought he was just gay. No, I think he's... But I think he's slept okay. with... Um, what's the face? Um, Sanye. Who? Sanye. Yes. Yes. God, imagine... Well, from the way from the way he directed Swimming Pool, I would imagine so. Yeah, maybe he's just greedy. Anyway, um, this is also gender. Um, it's gender related. Um, it's about gender Sexuality related. It's um, it's about Roman Dury who whose wife dies, and Anne de Moustier plays his dead wife's friend. She turns up at his house to see how he's doing in his grief, and sees him dressed as a woman. Uh, nursing 
with a blonde wig and everything, like his wife used to look like, nursing his child. And um, she kind of, well, she doesn't take it upon herself because she calls him a pervert initially. But then she... Um, Judgmental much? Exactly. But then she grows to accept it and help him go to the shopping mall and pick out outfits and do his mascara. So basically she's Ryan Gosling to his Steve Carell. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Except it's all it's more Thelma and Louise than uh, Roger Dodger. More and more Marissa to me later. <laughs> uh, but it's the film. It's kind of I was disappointed because Lawrence. Anyways, you could say a lot of things about Lawrence. Anyways, it's too long. It's too overwrought. But it at least attempts to confront issues um, of tra- transvestite and um, male sexuality confusion. Uh, and properly address them and the implications of it, whereas this is just kind of harmless and too much is eager to please from an audience mm. point of view. It's a bit like casual fall with the comedy. Yeah, you know. It's... How, how's the Mustache? She's kind of like um, a bit of a nick girl, really. She's in the uh, Snows of Kilimanjaro. She's in L. She's in Therese Desgaru. So she's been a lot of stuff that's got uh, international distribution over the last few years. Yeah, I mean she's great in this. She's the best thing about the film mm. because. It's, she's saddled with this terrible character, really, who kind of gets lured into this fag hag persona and gets addicted to being a fag hag, which I think is a little bit of a stretch. Um, but she's got, I don't know, she's just got. Couldn't she just ter- buy a Will and Grace box set? <laughs> she's got the Debbie Francois thing about her. I think she's quite right. similar to that. Unassuming, natural, um, and engaging to watch. How is Raphael Personaz? He plays Gilles. In He's it. great and very that attractive. Is, that is Marius from Marius and Fanny, Autor's films from last year. He's very attractive and... I, I would it, kill to look like that man. Yeah. <laughs> he plays the role exactly, exactly um, right. Because mm. he's... It's sort of like he plays the straight guy, but he plays the straight guy who's very um, welcoming. I don't know, he just does it where his sexuality's never in doubt, but... He gets the undertones of the character. Yeah, exactly. Okay, on to the next one, because I spent too long on that. Yep. Uh, this is Wild, written mm. by Nick Hornby. Mm. Uh, which is... This big rant earlier, which we're not going to go over again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which uh, is about a woman, it's a true story, about a woman called Cheryl Strayed, who went, who was a heroin addict and took it upon herself to trek 1,000 miles across the west of America to, not necessarily to kick her addiction, but to sort of in a journey of self-discovery. So I knew nothing about this film, and I've just clicked on it on my phone. Yeah. And it says, uh, Reese Witherspoon, so I have no idea why you've watched this film. <laughs> for anyone How's who... Laura Dern? How's Laura Dern? That's what I want to know. For anyone who doesn't know, I am a huge Reese Witherspoon fan. Reese Witherspoon, best dramatic work ever in this film. Really good. Really? Very natural. Um, like, there's not, it's not like, um, what's the most druggiest drug performance you can think of? Uh, off the top of my head, I'd go with Chung. Who? Gosling, Chung. Yeah. Maggie, Clean. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, you see, 
there's like bits of McGregor there's bits in uh, Trainspot. Yeah, there's bits of strap around the arm, but it isn't in your face. Oh, we didn't mention um, Leto in Requiem. Every, oh, everyone yeah, in Requiem. Yeah. Uh, uh. Um, but Laura Dern plays Witherspoon's mother, which is a kind of a stretch when you get to Witherspoon pretending to be college age and. What? Yeah. But wasn't she doing that fifteen years ago? Well, what happens is it's her trekking across America, but then it goes to flashbacks about why she's got into this position. It's right. directed by Jean-Marc Vallée. Oh, good. The editing is terrific, like Not Dallas Buyers Club. I, I, I thought um, uh, Crazy was well edited as well. Yeah. It's just seamless. It's just very, very unfussy, and it's a difficult film to edit because of the time, but you never you never want for knowing what time period you're in. Um so, and uh, Laura Dern play, uh, plays a cancer victim. So, Witherspoon will get nominated for this because really? it's Beatty and she's really good. Dern has a chance because she's got cancer in it and she's really good also. Right. So, look out for that Well, one. let's be frank, being really good really did never had anything to do with getting an Oscar nomination or not. <laughs> no, but it doesn't help. Uh, it doesn't yeah. hurt, even. Mm. Okay, next we have Leviathan. It does if you Kev Bacon. <laughs> I'm sorry, you played that child. Pe- pe- you just played that paedophile far too convincingly, Mr. Bacon. That creeped us out. Mm. Yeah, and Sean Penn was already uh, too. Oh God! <laughs> Hogging the positions off. Well, let's be fair, as if they watched the, the wood, uh, as if six thousand of them watched the Woodsman. But to give props to the Academy, at some point. Uh, in 1961, they nominated Stuart Whitman for playing a child molester. Yeah, they and, did a lot of things back in the 60s. And he's good in that. So, yeah. yeah. Next film, Leviathan. This is Andres Vyaginsev. Nice! Yes! And it's brilliant. Really? And it's it's too long. And but and the negative, the main negative I have is um, that he doesn't know how to finish the film. Or it feels that way. You know when... It's sort of like Ceylon Syndrome. I felt a yeah. bit like this with Anatolia. That he just didn't know how to finish. So at the end you kind of... It's a bit circling around, finding a place. It's sort of like a pilot trying to land on a strip of land. It's just like circling around, mm. not really knowing where to settle and what point to make at the end. Yeah. But overall, the acting is incredible. And you probably know these people. I are, don't think I do, actually. There is one up. woman who is amazing. Um... I'll get her name up. She's called Elena... Leodova. Leodova. Yeah, I don't think I know. Awesome. Everybody's oh, she... really good. Going on. I've just seen this 99 on Metacritic. Um, but it's about this... Basically, it's about this family who are getting... Was turned... she the one who... Was, was she the daughter in Elena? Because mm. she's. It says she's in Elena. I think she was the one who was... Re- I said the other week was really good in Elena. The... Uh, the uh, bl- the husband's daughter. Yeah. Because mm. Virginia. Well, there's only two a... women in Elena, so it must yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Katerina. Yeah. Third build, that'll be her. Yeah. She's just incredible. It's like a total supporting actress win. Mm. Although you could argue lead, but mm. but um, it's about this family getting turfed out of their home, and um the the main kind of guy's an alcoholic and he gets his lawyer friend who is um, Alexei... He's not bad looking either. Alexei... Oh. You have a look here. Vladimir... Fl- Fedovikenkov? Heard of him? 
You might yeah. you might recognise them anyway. Oh. Um, but yeah, um, they're getting turfed out the home, and there's some some. I'm not going to go too deep because I don't want to spoil it, but um, it's a lot of domestic angst, and there's also some political commentary on Russia, which is not in a favourable light. Which is in- so that's interesting that Russia have picked that to be their submission. Mm. For the oh, the, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So I'd say that's got a chance of getting picked by the committee anyway. Mm. Uh, last film is Phoenix. Vladimir was in 360, which a film I'd forgotten existed until this very moment. He's the guy, the limo driver. <laughs> do you remember the limo driver? Yeah, I do now, yeah. yeah. Now you've mentioned that, I know he is, yeah. Yeah. Um, Fe- I've just I've just remembered now. Uh, Phoenix. This is Christian Petzold and Nina yes. Hoss plays a survivor. And Ronald Zerfeld. And Ronald Zerfeld, who's looking scrubbing up very well in this. Um, Nina Hoss plays a survivor from con- concentration camp. She's been disfigured. She gets um, some facial reconstruction surgery. Mm. And. Um, I hate you for saying this. I know. I thought knew you would. And um, she then went... She's got a new face and everything. It's her face now. They haven't made yeah, her up yeah. to look different. But right. the um, the performance has obviously got layers because of that. Uh, and she's amazing in it. But she she has to like confront her husband, who she thinks has given her up to the Nazis. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't... Let's just put it this way. She doesn't tell him who she is straight away. Is Zerfeld the husband? Yes. See, this thing, I actually, re- I, t- I think I said I rewatched Barbara recently. And yeah. straight away afterwards, I was like looking at Zerfeld and thought, what's he doing? I saw he'd done something this year. I clicked on it and it said, directed by Petzold and starring Nina Hoss. I was like, you are kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll probably get released this year because Barbara was pretty, I think it was November or something, wasn't it? It was not too long. No. Um, but it's it's just really good. The last scene's just killer. So yeah, look for and it's there was when Aridi was on the podcast. She mentioned that it was supposed to be like Vertigo, mm. um, but I would say it's not really apart from the fact that her arc is her the dynamic of her character is similar because she's playing somebody who you think's dead. Yeah, she's pretending to be somebody else pretending. To be, mm. Yeah, so yeah, great. That's it. Awesome. Right, so uh, this week we are doing 71, The Calling and The Rewrite. Preconceptions for 71, I think we did these last week. Uh, basically for me, I really, really, really like the trailer trailer, and uh, was looking forward to it because I quite like Jack O'Connell. I really like Jack O'Connell. Mm, but I've not seen that much of him. Well, what have you seen the liabilities at it? I think that's it, yeah. He's really good in Eden Lake, which I don't like, and he's good in Skins. I... The trailer, I mean, I thought the trailer was alright, but I'll be honest, IRA and this part of history isn't something I'm particularly interested in, and it's yeah. not something I know about. Uh, I'm not sure why I'm not interested in it, I just think maybe it's a, a grim... I've seen In the Name of the Father, so I kind of think, well, can it get much better than that? Mm. I suppose really what I should say is a bit more of a disclosure rather than a preconception, is that I grew up in Birmingham. <laughs> In the eighties, yeah, and um, every single one of my, me and every single one of my family at some point has been in town when there's been a bomb scare because of the IRA. So, and why is why is Birmingham the target for the IRAs? It's a big city, right? Okay, there's no Irish, yeah. there's no Irish contingent there or anything like that. Well, 
there are, there are Irish bars certainly, but there's not there's no like Irish quarter or anything anything like that. Um, so it's not like I'm completely neutral on the whole thing, but it's not as if I'm so staunch I can't have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one one of the people, I, the, some of the people I teach in, in their office is a picture of them with Jerry Adams. It's not like we, and we talk about IRA films quite often, actually. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's not like I'm, it's blinds my it blinds my opinion, but there is a bit of needle there. Fair enough. Um, direct. I didn't know the director of this, so no, I looked him up beforehand, and he's done a lot of TV. Okay, which is, I mean, not to be judgmental, but it's not always encouraging. No. Okay. Um, the calling. I you didn't see this, did you? No, I didn't have time. Right. Did you? Did you know what it was? Uh, Susie. Yeah, Susie. Um, that's all I knew. Well, I knew she was playing a detective in it, and I thought, well, I don't mind detective stories, and um, so I I just thought I'd give it a go, really. Mm. And uh, that was it. I didn't know anyone else who was in it. I didn't know the mm. director. Yeah. So yeah, cool. And the rewrites. The rewrites. Um, I thought the trailer was okay. Mm. Uh, looked like it was going to be cozy. Mm. I had doubts, as I mentioned earlier. I had doubts about Grant and Tamir's partnership because I we wouldn't have put them together. We had such an epic texting <laughs> session earlier. Well, I was telling Cal to look out for the lechery over to me in jeans. I think I know which bit you mean. <laughs> yeah. Is it when she's in the shop bending yeah. over? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shove the camera straight in there. <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you mean man-esque though? Michael, Michael Mann. Mann. Yeah. yeah. What? In what uh, way? Public enemies when he like followed, when Marion Cotillard got off the bed and he just followed her backside to the window. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't know what to expect with Grant and Tamir. I wouldn't have put them together. Um, but I thought the trailer looked like a fun time. And I was quite in the mood for a, a comedy or a romantic film. Mm. The trailer looked okay. Yeah. I only like like Hugh Grant in a couple of things. Like About a boy? No, that's the one that um, Bradley Drawn Boy did the soundtrack oh, yes. to. yes. <laughs> no, uh, Four Weddings, he's, uh, he's Love for Actually. Four weddings. four weddings, Love Actually, and Bridge Jones. Right. That's about it. I like him in music and lyrics. Which I did, which this director did, and yeah. I didn't see. Uh, it's got this, um, it's got this hilarious bit where he sings, he plays like a former pop star, mm. and it's like a, Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, he plays, and then he has to sing this song, and it's called Pop Goes My Goes Heart. Goes My Heart. Yeah, I've seen, the, I've seen the video for that. Yeah, I think it's this one, because he did American Dreams as well. It's yeah, one, yeah. Of the, one of the two films that's got that in anyway. Pop Goes My Heart is definitely uh, music and lyrics, because oh. um, Irene used to pimp it to me for best song that year. It's good, it was funny. It, the video for it is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, so let's get on to 71, which... Was... Uh, oh, yeah, and I love Tomei. Okay. Oh, yeah, of course. What Can we talk about Tomei's win? Because people ragged on Tomei's Oscar win for a long time, and some people still do. Yeah, there's that ridiculous, ridiculous rumour that Jack Palance read the wrong name, even though Price Waterhouse had people on the side and they'd run on stage and correct it. Well, he yeah. was old. He was old. <laughs> he could still do one-arm push-ups, though. 
Um, but if it wasn't him, I mean, who? Vanessa Redgrave? Who are we saying? Or oh, Judy Davis, maybe. Judy Davis is killer in Husband and Wives. She's well, just great. The thing is, you've got to remember as well, Mercedes Rule won the year before for The Fisher King. It's a very similar type of role. Yeah. With the, with the New York, the, the loud New the York. The Yeah. Yeah. So it just, it's more... Uh, Italian-American. Yeah. Given that, you can completely say, okay, that was what that, that was their little fetish at that particular period in time. That that's what they really liked. Which and is, she, okay. was, she was the comic relief in quite a dark film as well, which also helps. Mm. Mm. Um, so I actually think, I think she's really good in uh, Mike and Vinny. Yeah, uh, I agree. think she's very funny. I think she pitches it perfectly. And the scene where she's just stamping her foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mimicking her biological clock. That that is that is that is so hard for to be to to do it that well and be that funny. Yeah. She's also good in in the bedroom and I, great in the wrestler. Yeah, in the bedroom is the one that is a stretch is a bit of a stretch for me, but I do read but that's because I think Wilkinson's like the in the best of the decade conversation, so I think it's just uh, he overshadows everything in that film for me. Uh, but yeah, definitely the rest. Apart from the plate just, smashing, yeah, the rest of she's super in. Yeah, um, and crazy uh, stupid love. She was just great. crazy. That that one scene was great. It's crazy, but um, no, it's ridiculous that she's just got. She's she's one of these ones like Julianne Moore, who's more attractive in her forties than she was in the twenties. Yeah. She's no, she's getting more attractive, right? Mm. Oh yeah. She ever looked better than in this film? Or... Um, maybe the maybe wrestler, what right? maybe what women want. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, why do you think I like Judy Greer? <laughs> that film. <laughs> Mel Gibson is great in that film. That I I I, I unabashedly like that film. There's no getting around it. It's good. Mm. Okay. Uh, do you know that Nancy Mays is doing? currently doing a film about Robert De Niro um, Robert De Niro working in a fashion magazine I thought you were going to say do, uh, about Robert De Niro uh, waiting for the bus and they're actually getting banana arms no, to, do the, to do the soundtrack we're ending on that by the way <laughs> <laughs> I love banana rama <laughs> somebody mentioned it earlier it's on the brain <laughs> love in the first degree come on uh, right, we'll start with 71, which mm. uh, was at London Film Festival right at the beginning and then mm. was released at cinemas on Friday. Right. So, Me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, 71 uh, uh, is a film set in, the, obviously, the early 1970s. It follows a uh, soldier with it who has a young son. He lives in, in some uh, probably assisted housing is the best way to describe it. Is it his and, son? I assumed it was his son. Do you think it's his brother? Yeah, I thought it was his brother. I thought it was his son. Oh well, family yeah, member well, okay. certainly. No, never mind. Family yeah. member certainly. Yeah. Um, and uh, he uh, gets sent over to Northern Ireland, gets put through a very very brief um, uh, introduction, and then is uh, sent out into the field. Uh, on well, well, on the first uh, first mission that we're shown. He gets a riot uh, breaks out and he gets left behind and the film follows his uh, dark night of the soul trying to not get killed by the IRA. Yeah, is is he in Ireland or Northern Ireland? He's in Northern Ireland. Right, that makes more sense. Mm. Um, I, 
Okay, it started out, I was a little bit tentative about it. Mm. But I think once you get into the estate, because it's all set on one Northern Ireland estate, pretty, pretty much. much yeah. I think it's got a really great atmosphere about it, real tension, and you really get a proper sense of the setting, which is important when you're going to film a film over a very, relatively small area. It's good mm. that you kind of get a sense of where everything is and... Uh, I thought the um, the sort of the production of it was really effective in that way, and it really created a sense of danger. Mm. I'm going to come at it from a completely different angle to you then, because okay. <laughs> right. I really liked uh, the sort of uh, mood and atmosphere of the beginning. In terms, not the very beginning, but in terms of once he's out there, you get the uneasiness, you get the uh, the the tensions um, between the the locals, the mob mentality. Uh, yeah, everything. Yeah. I think I think that particular scene where uh, where where they get separated, really, yeah. uh, I think you really do get the uh, uh, tension. I think it's trying to be a bit too chunking express with the, the camera at times. Oh come but... on! <laughs> <laughs> do you think but... that's in the mind of the director? Yes. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, but um, once it gets past the scene in the pub, and what happens at the pub, which is which is amazing. Yeah, unbelievable. After, after that, when 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 they so for me when they get on the estate, that's when it just sort of lost its drive for me and lost its uh, impetus because it's sort of pe- plot wise from there on in it just peters out and it just becomes a. Uh, uh, there's not really much to it from from that point on, whereas I think they set it up really, really intriguingly. And I, I would like to say that I think the treatment of the subject in terms of the balance that they try to give yeah. to the people from different sides, I think is about as good as they could have done in a film... You know, set, uh, set of this to- of this sort, considering it is essentially a chase movie. Yeah, uh, I think they they managed to get across multiple different uh, viewpoints. Yeah, they managed to get different shades of grey. So uh, when you when you got you've got different types of IRA people, then you have got different types of IRA people uh, acting in different ways at different points in the film for different reasons. Then you have uh, just the normal people on the on on the street with the with the guy and his daughter. Uh, and then you have them acting one way for one reason at the beginning, then acting for another reason uh, at the uh, end, and then him and his daughter acting differently. So uh, I think it was, I think it did really well in in getting a myriad of shades of grey in between the black, when it could be very very black and white. Yes, yeah. I also I also think it did a really good job of um, because it's got a lot of big performances in it. Um, and I didn't really feel like any of them were that cartoonish. I thought they kind of fit together quite well, and it it didn't really seem like it was um, too in your face. It, I thought it was threatening, but I didn't mm. feel like the performances took over the film, you know. I yeah. thought it balanced them quite well. Um, I think some of it's a con- bit too convenient, plot-wise, mm. frankly. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the thing that happens with the young guy who's involved with them. Mm. Who keeps the guns? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was done quite badly. Sort of, I, I just don't like, especially what the last thing that the guy, the young guy who keeps guns, does. Mm. 
And that was stupid, frankly. Mm. But, I don't know, I, th- I really liked the film in general. I, I just thought it was ballsy and very upfront, and I thought Jack O'Connell did pretty well. It's not really a... O'Connell's on a hiding to nothing on this because it's a really, re- it's a passive. It, yeah, it, it's a react. I was gonna say reactive, but you're right. It is passive. It's a very, I was gonna say poor role <laughs> because he doesn't really have that much to do. And the com- the thing that I could think of to compare it to, which is might sound ridiculous on the face of it, was something like uh, Silent House with Elizabeth Olsen, because all because if you think that all really O'Connell has to do is look various shades of scared or in pain. Uh, and if you have something like Silent House, at least through that, you've got it working on two levels because there's a twist. And you also have it uh, working on a very emotional level uh, while she's scared and in pain as well. Yeah. Whereas with this, he doesn't have time to get emotional he's, and, and, and because, he's, uh, because well, he's got a goal and to get out of there. So that's, that's it. Whereas... What? It just doesn't lend itself to a great performance. Yeah, but what about the pub scene? I think every I think that's acted really well. I think there's a lot going on in that scene with him. Mm. Um, the actual scene itself, it it is like it's the thing I remember from the film because you just don't really see it coming, and when it does, you just like shit. Mm. And, um, yeah, and I, I thought that was going to come back because I don't uh, don't want to say too much, but. Mm. Um, somebody gets taken away at that point. Yeah. And I'm thinking that they might come back. I don't know why I was thinking that. Mm. But I think what they did at the end, mirroring that with um, uh, with Jack O'Connell's family, did mm. quite, you know, kind of made that a touching moment and wasn't too cheesy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the guy who's playing the captain in this, who's like in charge of looking for him I, I see he's probably one of the big performances bigger performances yeah. you were talking about yeah. and I, uh, I is that I the English it, or the Irish guy the English guy right. and, uh, with the moustache and yeah. uh, I, I knew I recognised him I had no idea why I've just looked at his page and uh, I, I recognise him really from Prometheus but uh, what I should have remembered him from is A Lonely Place to Die the Melissa George film because he's the, the main baddie in that oh yeah you think of it now yeah I knew I knew him from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those. But um, yeah, I didn't really. I think he just wanted to have a, a. That's the one time when someone's presence gets a little cartoonish. Yeah. But. I thought I don't know. I liked him. I think the only cartoonish bit was maybe at the end. I didn't think he'd be too forceful at the end. I thought he'd be kind of. Mm. I mm. think it was more when um, he's dealing with the soldiers uh, back at the barracks. Yeah, that's what I mean at the yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But mm, I, don't, I really liked it. Um, I really liked it for about an hour. Yeah. Well, it's only but an hour then, and a half. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, got, got a bit of a Rover vibe just because it's got this kind of first person shooter thing where you don't know what's around every corner and I did kind of prefer it to the Rover because I felt the terror more and yeah. I think I felt because it was it really was like he was in enemy territory yeah um, oh, I think they'd certainly do that better than the Rover 
I think I, I prefer the Rover because I think Guy Pearce adds a star in quality because of his performance. Uh, and that's probably the difference between the two films for me. Really? Okay. So this, for me, is a um, three-star film. Uh, five out of ten, it really did drag it down for me that, that last half hour or so. But I thought it was decent. I'm going to give it a B plus. Mm. I really liked it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, yeah, the first half's definitely better than the second half. Right, so tell me about The Calling. The Calling, this is about Susan Sarandon, who plays a detective in a small town, a very small town that has very little crime, mm. until um, somebody gets brutally murdered. And basically, she and her partner, she's the sheriff, um, she and her partner, Gil Bellows. Um, Gil Bellows? Of Ali McBeal fame. I thought you were going to say Shawshank fame. <laughs> is he in Shawshank? Yeah, he's the uh, rocker who comes in halfway through. Who oh, uh, Robbins wants to teach. God. Mm. Um. Anyway, Gil Bellows, yeah. And Topher Grace is this new guy who comes from the city because he wants to be in a small town and they're all like, what should you want to be here for? Nothing ever happens. But uh, lo and behold, um, there is this serial killer going around pretending to be um, healing, a spiritual healist, um, or a spiritualist healer, would be that. Um, and he's actually going around killing people in the name of God. Isn't it always? As you do. He's got a lot to answer for. <laughs> um, no, this... But it's quite... It's sort of like... It is a bit seven-ish, but then it's more low-key. Mm. So, it's... It's like... Do you remember Copycat? Yes. With Very Weaver. Well, actually. Yeah. Mm. It's a bit like... that. It's sort of like Fargo meets Copycat. So it's not as urgent as copycat. It's a small town copycat. Yeah, it's like a sleepy copycat. Um, like a, a copycat that's just had its dinner and is just about to uh, curl up on the sofa. Yeah. Or maybe it's more kind of affliction, insomnia-ish. Right, okay. Yeah. A snoozy vibe, at the very least. Yeah, and it's about the isolationism of uh, small town politics and the comforts... Um, and I, I don't know, it's, I think because of that, it feels like more of a threat because when you're in the big city, it's like, well, this kind of thing happens all the time. Mm. So the fact that they're isolated a little bit. Makes it more uh, creepy or Yeah, worrying. definitely, yeah. So, oh, what was so more Deadfall-ish? Yeah, there's a Deadfall vibe, yeah. No um, uh, sexism, though. No Rooney Mara's sister. No. Uh, Susie's definitely running the show, yeah. but it's like no, no, no snow bikes. <laughs> God, but it's like it, they've got this flight thing, so they set it up where the first thing you see is her grabbing bottle of pills off the bedside table, you know, drawer, hurling a few of them down the throat. She goes to get a coffee at work and she looks a wreck. She takes a bourbon out of the drawer and puts the bourbon in a coffee. Yeah. So there isn't much subtlety to setting up the character as being a bit of a mess and a bit but of a... then again, they did the same with Phil Hoffman in A Most Wanted Man. Yeah, but 
Well, I'll, I'll go on to explain why it's okay, a problem. Yeah, yeah, but okay. yeah, so it's I don't I thought it was done quite um, uh, in your face. Yeah, Chris I, Nolan-esque. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, it's Sarandon is good in the film, and she does give some nuance to that. So it's not like she's just parading around like complete and utter mess, you know, but. You do get a sense. She's better than she is in the client, right? Which she couldn't be, which is not a stretch. Not saying much, because <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't really done a lot of this stuff since the client, mm. right? I don't think no, she's been really. in crime films a lot. I mean, she did that one with The Rock, yeah, she? where she was the uh, DEA woman, yeah. Um, but it's like basically the film is all about religion. So, I was sat watching it, I was thinking, if I was being a bit more hormonal at this point, if I was a little bit more sensitive, I could really take offence to this and not yeah. like this, and be like, give this like, kind of the F-level treatment, yeah. because what happens is, this the serial killer is Catholic, Orthodox Catholic, but... The film is pro-Christian. Right. Because, basically, it tries to balance the argument by justifying some of the beliefs near the end. Right. And, because so Sarandon's got all of these issues, and it implies that her increased faith would help her with the, her issues. Yeah. Um... So generally, faith is portrayed as a positive thing in the film, despite the fact that several people die because of it. So this is why I was like, well, actually, this could be really offensive to me, but I actually think it's quite ballsy that they do this, and I do think it's done quite well, so I'm going to give it a pass. But it's like, on the one hand, it's about religious obsession, but it's also stressing that religion could drag people up from despair, which is preachy, but then... So is it? So you think because they're at least showing more than one side of it that you're not uh, completely against it? Yeah, and I think it's the way that they do it as well. It's more about crossing lines um, than it is about religion specifically. It's more about how some people are too willing to cross lines and some aren't. Yeah. You know, the, so I didn't feel like it was discriminating against non-believers, even though it definitely has a Christian agenda to plug, even with the Christian serial killer angle. Mm. So I'm going to give it a C plus. It's an interesting film, but it's not a great one. Right. So, the rewrite. Me, I take it? I don't mind. Go for it. Okay. The rewrite is about Hugh Grant. Oscar winner. Yes, who in this film is playing a uh, former Oscar-winning screenwriter whose career has hit the skids following his uh, once epic uh, Kilimanjaro-esque highs. <laughs> but also, it's worth saying they don't say Oscar, though. They say award, right? Because Oscar's think... got a TM after it. I'm pre- I don't think they say Oscar. I think it's pretty obviously Oscar. Well, they obviously mean that, but they yeah. don't, yeah. Huh. And he carries it around with him everywhere, of course, yeah, yeah. like you do. Well, you would. It's not like Jennifer Lawrence has just lost it or whatever. Mm. 
Oh, Lord, she Mel- deserved to lose it. <laughs> Mel-, Mel Streep lost her first one. She left it in the loo. <laughs> Blame the booze. Yeah. Um, so he's uh, he can't. He's pitching all these fi- uh, films to people at the beginning of the film. They uh, keep on saying how much they love him, but that they're just not interested. They were, all they are interested in doing is having films with kick-ass women. You know? Right. Uh, Hold on a minute. Sorry, I'm interrupting. But um, yeah, no, I do it all the time. <laughs> but it's like the first pitch he goes to. They're like, well, we're looking for edgy comedies with strong female characters. Where is that in Hollywood right now? Apart from Obvious Child. And Tabby, I don't think there's been anything else this year that's been an edgy well, this comedy. year, but then you've got to remember that this was probably written about two or three years ago. Uh, cool. So you, then you'd be thinking more like uh, your Diablo Cody, so maybe some like young adults. Right, okay. Well, that's just Still, the first one that came to mind. it's not exactly, it's not no, exactly it's not a trend, is it? No, no. Anyway. Not at all. Um, so, because uh, he is the sort of thing he wants to do, isn't very, isn't uh, getting any traction, and he's running out of money. The only job that his uh, agent can possibly get him, apparently, I mean, has there not heard of TV, HBO? Oh, good <laughs> God! The only job that she can get him is, but uh, is cause, uh, someone she knows <laughs> as, uh, is aware that the Binghamton University, which is in upstate New York, is it is real? A, I've no idea. I, I'd assume so. Is uh, looking for a uh, creative writing uh, lecturer, specifically on screenplays. So he uh, eventually takes the job, turns up, uh, and within about four seconds uh, has sex with one of his future students, and uh, played by Bella Heathcote. And uh, then he basically proceeds to pick the ca- uh, the class based on uh, how attractive the women are, and a, a plan to just breeze on through it while he's while he's uh, writes something decent. Yeah, and it doesn't sugarcoat how much of an absolute knob he is. No, because no. that is horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's like really deplorable in the first twenty minutes of the film. And he's such an idiot as well. I mean, it's like, okay, fine. You go there, you meet some students from the local campus, and you shag one of them. Yeah. Okay, fine, great. That you are then that moronic that you decide to put her into your class. I mean, in, in what world do you think that stu- that the teachers are going to be able to mark students' work when they're sleeping with them? Also, he pur- purports not to know that. That's a bad thing. That it's elite. Well, not illegal. Illegal. <clears throat> as in the code of the university. No. To um, sleep with the students. No, he could <clears throat> he could sleep with a student, but as long as it's not one of his students, that he sleeps with her and then makes her one of his students is the most ridiculous thing in the whole film. And makes Marissa one. Well, I'd make Marissa one. <laughs> Regardless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. We're full. Oh, Marissa Tomei just walks in. Okay. Yes. We've got one more space. <laughs> but despite that, and despite where it goes with the um, the uh, romance with the or the fling with the student, I actually think that's done all right compared to other films. Like, I was getting a liberal arts vibe towards yeah. the beginning of the film, and I think this does a hell of a lot better than liberal arts in um, detailing what it's like at a university. I think it's far more realistic, yes, uh, than liberal arts. I think what it. Uh... Liberal Arts wants to be cute. <laughs> this doesn't want to be cute at all. I think uh, Liberal on, Arts wants on, to be on, clever. On that particular storyline, this film doesn't want to be cute at all. 
I'll, 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 qu- I'll qualify that one, I think. You know the ones it does. <laughs> yeah. But it's. I think the script is really clever. I was... Um, I was wondering how experienced scriptwriter was at this, like because I was going to be really impressed if this was a debut yeah. writer doing this. But it's it's the guy who wrote Miss Congeniality, so respect for that. Yes, um, and other things which not too great, but that's the whole point. What he's done is he's mirrored. He's obviously mirroring what's happened to him in Hollywood because he wrote Miss Congeniality, and then his other films haven't been as well received. And then he has something like um, yeah. What was the one with um, Sarah Jessica Parker, which was horrendous? Have you heard what something about the Morgans? Did you hear yeah, about yeah, the Morgans? Yeah, yeah. Which so because, Hugh Grant was in. Yeah, so because that bombed so horrendously, you can see why he's written this now. That he makes uh, his alter ego writer a uh, uh, an Oscar winner when you just wrote a, 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 com- a very popular comedy, I think says a lot. But <laughs> hold, hold on him. I wouldn't have begrudged Miss Congeniality an Oscar nom. No, but that's the whole point. You can't just say that you you, you wrote a film that a load of people like. It has to be. It has to be you won an award. You won the Oscar for it. My favorite film of all time. Yeah, top twenty. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's I. I kind of like the film because it's um it's really well balanced. I think, and even it's sort of like the mood of it is always kind of engaging. It's like even when there's angst, you know, when you get the this like angst Mm. in this film and for lot for. Philosophizing and things like that. I think even when it does that, it's never um, really sort of down and out. It's like even when he's making that speech about how writing you can fail terrifically, mm. and then the next thing that happens is the guy makes an impression of Yoda. Yeah. So it's like the mood's instantly lifted, mm. and it never kind of gets bogged down in that. It never becomes like all these romantic comedy cliches of up and down up and down you're not who i thought you were despair yeah happy I think, ending i think if you wanted to you could really pull this part uh like uh, for the conveniences for stuff like uh marissa tomei has a couple of jobs so every time every time he sort of turns a corner she's there she's, yeah uh, if, it, if, yeah and and, and and he just happens to walk into this uh, and and have a uh, kid who's got an amazing screenplay, uh, which is which is going to help him get back on it. Blah 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 blah. And in in general, the uh, arcs in which they go in are very predictable, and you can uh, you can see uh, how written it is it, 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 in in certain ways. But why would you want to? Quite frankly, why would yeah. you want to pull it apart? Because yeah. it's amusing. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is amusing. It does. It it it's. But I do think that I found it more amusing than other people in there because there's a lot of film references and the stuff with Janny where he's just got his only literary references are films. <laughs> I found that really funny. But he does mention a lady. But he's, he's like, he says, "I want to be a better teacher. I'm going to go and watch Dead Poets Society right now, <laughs> or whatever." The, it's a simple. It's not that's not the joke, but it's something like that. She says, which great female writers do you know? And he says Elaine May, which fair, is a f- film writer, but she's yeah. great. So fair <laughs> enough. She doesn't get singled out enough. So I think fair play to the writer for singling out Elaine May. But uh, and you've got it... like Disney gets deemed lower than Tarantino. <laughs> what do you think about Tarantino and Bergman being mentioned in the same breath? <laughs> <laughs> In Kurosawa. I, think, I think it would. I think it would do on a film course. Quite frankly, I think it would do. Um, but I think the other thing is there's certain uh, jokes that they'll set up uh, like half an hour before, 
like um, uh, Janny with the tote bag. And um, so uh, it, it just... The Austin I guess, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it just shows how um, it that is the litmus test as to whether you're into the film or not. Whether they've set up a, a joke half an hour before and then when it comes to your laugh, um, at least it'll, that will tell you if you if you actually are with with the film or not. Yeah, and I, I, I was I did, I did I did find it amusing. I did find it amusing. I Definitely. think I but, think it could be it easily could be snarky. Um, it could end up being like a parody of a writer's crisis mm. because it is so self aware. Mm. But then it's it's so much better than something like Seven Psychopaths, which yeah was. A similar thing, but it took itself way too seriously. Yes. Whereas this is just, it's really Breezy. easy to spend time with. And I think it treats all of its characters pretty well, actually. Even the girl who has a fling with. Mm. Um, I think the only one it could have had an extra scene of Janny. Uh, I think the whole, the last in the, scene... In, with, in the middle. Yeah, Yeah, the last scene with Janny is a little bit too much of an about turn for me. Mm. But uh it didn't have to spend that much time with the two guys on the course. I think they got, you know, they were interesting and. Or like J.K. Th- Simmons, he was funny. Yeah, and that was cute. Um, who else was there? The the thing with the sun was a bit cheesy, but they could have done it in a worse way. Yeah, the end. I when it immediately happened, I thought, uh, but then I thought, well, you know what? They're they're not giving it you in a massive little bow. Okay, fine. Yeah, I get, I get what you're doing there. Yeah, oh, great. Plus, the, the plus it could have said could have said anything. The surprise that I had with it though was, I think this is Hugh Grant's best performance, and I think he's really, really good at the dramatic stuff in there. And whereas I think for most of the stuff that he does, it's one note. Now it's sometimes it's a good note all the way through, like Four Weddings or Love Actually, Love Actually, and sometimes it's just him just being his usual foppish self. But I think he actually. Went to various different places uh, when he's when he's yeah uh, when he's pushed when, when when the character needs to and this felt more of a character this didn't really feel like Hugh Grant asking about all, all all the time for me yeah it's yeah I think it's a bit too much he's written too much like a dick at the beginning mm. uh, there could be more of a gradual um, process near nearer kind of in the the first half. But I do think he does it really well, and yeah, but I don't know. I I wasn't surprised by anything in his performance, but mm. I thought it was really good, and I thought Tamir was really good as well. Her I reactions think, to him are great. Yeah, and they've got. I mean, the dialogue's really good. Some of the zippy dialogue between them written is really good, but they they do do it well. Yes, it's like like the first like the first time they meet. She's like she's like. I didn't expect to see a woman of your... And she's like, height? <laughs> yeah. And they deal with actual, like, script writing stuff as well, which obviously, because the, the guy's written is obviously a screenwriter, yeah. but it's um that feels quite good as well, the fact when he does start helping them with the, their scripts, that feels realistic as well. Mm. Mm. But, um... Yes... But yeah, I, I mean, it's not like it's it's a good. I I, I think it's a good this film, is the, but it's not this like is, the you know the this second is, coming of this the Christ. Is, no, this is a perfect date movie, basically. It's just uh, if, you, if you if you went along to see this, um, the bloke older date movie. Hmm? 
older date movie, would you say? Or? Well, mate, yeah, thirties. If you're in your thirties, which I am, which is why I'm saying it's a perfect date movie. <laughs> Get on it, man. <laughs> While it's still at cinemas. Yeah, I'm gonna. I have to book out the electric for the next month. Just showing, uh, <laughs> just showing the rewrite on Friday nights. <laughs> Get myself out of the station. <laughs> uh, B for the rewrite. Um, six out of ten. Um, six out of ten. It, I think. I think. I think it's a very decent film. Okay. All right. So, shag, marry, or kill. Hmm. Right. I would um shag the calling because I haven't seen it. I would marry the rewrite because that would be a very easy watch. And I would uh do what the IRA was trying to and kill Jack O'Connell just because. It, just because. <laughs> I okay. Have to. Okay. I would uh, shag Jack O'Connell, <laughs> kill the calling, and marry the rewrite easily mm. of the three. Okay, so the Olsen factor. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, the uh, daughter in seventy one of, of the guys who take them in. She was in Quirk. I've seen her before. Uh, uh, oh, I think Lizzie's got that covered. The rewrite. Uh, Bella Heathcote has too much of the Kira thing going on. She's a no. Marissa is Tomei. is she the fling? Yeah, the fling. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Marissa Tomei is a stone cold yes. Yes. Sorry. Never looks better. You just got done by a forty-nine-year-old woman. Forty-nine. <laughs> yes. Jesus. Age-appropriate ridiculousness. Is that uh, it? Uh yeah, all the, all the others are just um, window dressing. Okay, so um, two. Yes. Uh okay, Isaac, we have seventy-one Jack O'Connell's being dude. for being in the army. For being no, not necessarily, just for being a bit of a wreck in this, and um, for bleeding too quite much. Quite thin. Yeah. Nobody else is. Would be close to him anyway. Yeah. Um, the calling we've got Topher Grace is mm, not a million miles away, but no. Mm. Gil Bellows maybe Tof- in Topher's a bit too. a bit too squeaky, Weak. pretty boy for you. Yeah, I think when he gets older, he probably look great. Mm. You know. Mm. Uh, we have the rewrite. Hugh Grant's no mm. would never have been a yes. I was going to say. For you. <laughs> yeah, and thanks to um, Hugh Grant's selection policy, there are, yeah. no, there are no good-looking men in this film. No. <laughs> so it's a 1.0 on the range. <laughs> Easy uh, rebound week for uh, Oscar. Yes. It's, and not the only Oscar to have a rebound week. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're going to briefly we- talk about films about screenwriters. Yeah, um, well, the obvious one... Is, it's um, Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> it's not. It's not the one I had actually. <laughs> really? That was the obvious one for me. That's more about an actress, though. That's about a screenwriter. Who Bill gets Holden. an actress? It's about Bill Holden. It's about Gloria Swanson. That film. It's about Bill Holden who meets Gloria Swanson. <laughs> <laughs> it's about Gloria Swanson who ascends on William Holden's life. <laughs> Descends <laughs> like an Elvira from the sky. Oh, great! <laughs> I was going to mention adaptation. 
Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that one. <laughs> because it, yeah, because Charlie Kaufman is so neurotic, and it's about a neurotic screenwriter. Mm. Um, and it's got some really wacky and interesting things in it. And Meryl and Chris are very good. So's Nicholas Cage. Judy Greer's in that as well. Again, I don't remember. <laughs> you don't. The waitress. <laughs> Who was in it for all the five seconds? Yeah, and he's and Kaufman uh, still managed to write that she got her breasts out. Uh, she got her breasts out. I'm pretty sure Mr. Cage was masturbating over her in that film. Oh my god! It's, it's never, any like, miso- uh, never any misogyny in a, um, a Charlie Kaufman script. Was it like Susie at the window in Atlantic City? Was it like? A- <laughs> No, it's like a fantasy scene of her just like randomly taking her top off and then it's cut to uh, cut to Cage masturbating in bed. Lovely. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, any more? Um, Is Synecdoche about a screenwriter? Or... No, play director. Director. Because um, I was thinking La Dolce Vita. Uh, no, I wasn't thinking La Dolce Vita. Was I thinking La Dolce Vita? Oh, he's, Le Mepri, Mep- a... he's a writer, he's a screenwriter, isn't he? Is he? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, because he's because um uh they get Fritz Lang in to be the director. I'm pretty sure Michelle Pickle is the screenwriter for it. We could go to Ed Wood because he also wrote all of his terrible films. <laughs> um, there were a lot. Of, there were a lot of films that were writers, but I think in general, but writers like usually books, and. I think, well, if you were a screenwriter, would you want to write a film about screenwriters? You'd probably well, th- be like, mm. Well, no, I think it's the Charlie Calvin thing. It's In a way, it's not that you'd write yourself into it, but it's just that I'm a screenwriter, so I know about screenwriters, so I'm going to write about a screenwriter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then, as Hugh Grant said in the film, you don't write about what you know. <laughs> Well, he changed it, because when Bergman used to, um, Bergman's films, he used to have the guy be a um, uh, conductor, or something like that. Yeah. He'd quite, he'd quite often go to music as a Pianist substitute. Pianist or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, um, uh, he'd, or, a da- or, or someone would be a dancer. He, he, what, was, keeps... what was Sjöström in Wild Strawberries? Teacher or someone. Yeah. So he, 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 so you've got um, in um, uh, summer interlude. Uh, she's she's a dancer in um, uh, autumn Always sonata. Arts. Yeah, autumn autumn sonata. She's a pianist in um, Saraband. She plays the uh, cello. He, he oh, quite often went to music as a way to um, uh, get around that. Um, isn't he a, a conductor in um, Faithless? The husband. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and she's an actress. So. <laughs> There, there so were they ways, all work in the arts, basically. Yeah, there were ways of, of writing. So this is why I think there are a lot of films about novelists as well. Someone trying to get write a book. Because I think a think... lot of French films as well have um, the the main characters are like that as well. They're in the arts. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, any more? Um, I, I, off the top of my head, I mean there were. There were I'm just trying to think of good films, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay, well, some might come to us. Mm. Right, um, okay, so we have a website, it's moveforpodcast.com. You can check out our schedule, you can ask us any questions, 
Um, we're on Twitter at Mood for Podcast, Facebook in the Mood for Podcast. Next week we have the Judge. I saw half of the trailer for it. Why only half? Because that's when I got in. Okay. Well, how do we feel? Duval looks like a baby role for Duval, but mm. it uh, looks like the sort of thing Robert Downey does every now and again, like um, uh, what was the, uh, the soloist? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. Looks like one of those for uh, for him. One of the not for paycheck ones. Yeah, that he just liked the story. We also have. The Pest of Me. Have you seen the trailer for this? No, don't think so. Michelle Mont... So basically, it's about a couple of kids who have a romance. Liana Liberato is one of the kids. I think you were telling me about this. And she grows up to be, to be Michelle Monaghan, which is no great shame. Mm. And the kid, the the boy, grows up to be James Marsden. Well, so I think well done. Well done in your teens. Yeah. So it's Nicholas Sparks and... God. I think the flash. So I think it's a a bit of an intercutting job with Nicholas Sparks, and it's the guy who directed Gambit and the Last Station. Dear me. Yes. So uh, we also have another Coppola has directed a film. Um, Gia Coppola. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. Just the nepotism running rampant. <laughs> It's called Palo Alto. Yeah, I've heard this film. <laughs> she looks quite like Sophia, actually. What a shock. Yeah. But she likes Chrissy Hind as well. <laughs> so that's her first film, and it's available, so who knows? We might mm. see that, although I think it's about young female virginity, but... It's virgin suicides, too. Yeah, this time it's... <laughs> This time Menstrual. It's... <laughs> <laughs> this time it's uplifting. <laughs> well, it was uplifting at the end. In a way. Well, my eyebrows were lifted up. <laughs> Things were hoisted, put it that way. Hoisted? <laughs> Goes at the end of the suite here after. <laughs> <laughs> um, also out, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I actually did... Um... Enjoy Megan Fox's one of Megan Fox's line readings in the trailer. What was it? Again? <laughs> I can't remember. It's just like, but they're turtles. It's they're this, this, they're, they're, they're big turtles, but they're ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it could have a, a delightful sense of its own ridiculousness, which I would hope because Transform the original Transformers did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. with like, well, it was shorter Birth, and, um, yeah. I know in the car at the beginning it is deliberately stupid it's meant to be as well it's not accidentally stupid yeah and then it just went downhill from there yeah not the first film this franchise in general yeah yeah yeah, yeah. quickly got up um, Marissa Tomei's filmography and mm. new project she's in yeah first one a film called Spare Parts uh, which has also got Jamie Lee Curtis in. Doesn't look like a big deal for her. Mm. Next we have Trainwreck, which let's hope it's not. But it oh, interesting. Is Ju- that is that is that the uh, trailer for the Kira Knightley uh, co- comedy I just saw the other day? Laggies. 
Where she plays the the girl who's hanging out with all the kids. With Chloe Grace Moretz, yeah. Yeah. Can you think of a film that was more designed for me to hate than a film starring Keira Knightley and Sam Rockwell? I think it looks quite fun. I think it looks... Anyway. Anyway. No, please keep the jokes to a minimum. film called Trainwreck um, from Judd Apatow. (laughs) (laughs) It's Perfect. (laughs) Stars Catherine Heigl. It stars Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe. Marissa oh, Tomei and Brie Larson. No. No. And Tilda Swinton. No. Ezra Miller. No. John Cena. No. Oh, my God. John Cena. So that should be interesting. And she's also in a film called Lemonade, um, which is not a big deal. It has nobody else famous in it. So at least she's in a Judd Apatow film. That's all we can say for her at this point. How wonderful for her. Yes. Do you have a jam? Uh, no. My jam is Taylor Swift. No. It's called Out of the Woods. Oh, God. It's new. It's new right. today. Okay. I was just about to rant a bit more about Ed Sheeran, but we had enough of that last week. <laughs> we did. Yeah. Okay, good luck for the marathon. Half. Half marathon. Mm. Which... Don't want false advertising. Well, yeah, so if I um, if we don't have a podcast next week, it's because I am in hospital. <laughs> the yeah. ambulance that was following me around was actually employed. Is the one following you around? I think so, yeah. I, I think you have to book them. What? <laughs> what individually? <laughs> yeah, it'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> Is it like on a golf course, booking the golf course? Yeah, he's, he's got some bloke with a megaphone shouting, <laughs> see that grey thing, that's the pain barrier. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you have so are there like stations is it just water that they there have are water st- there are, there's four water stations but the thing is I, I run without it anyway I, I, I do 10 miles without it and then just load up on the end but really you shouldn't should you because then you might need the ambulance well but on the other hand when I did my uh, 8.5 mile run fun run the other year I hadn't I'd been training and I, I could do 8 miles Without water, and then when I went to um, have took when I took water on board during the run, it completely went down the wrong way and made me feel absolutely terrible for about three miles. So I did actually practice running with water last week. It was uh, interesting. Okay, there were a lot of spillages. My Nadal top has not recovered from the black current. Nadal top? Yeah, I've got I've got two tennis tops that I run in. The ones uh, like a. Bright orange wrapper Nadal top, and the other one's like a really classy. It's like a fake uh, polo shirt, uh, red polo shirt Nike with, uh, from Federer, but it's like it's made out of uh, the same material that football tops are made out of. So what you want to do is you want to start with a Nadal shirt, do a quick change after six and a half miles. Nobody wants to see that. And finish in the nice polo shirt. <laughs> yeah, like like Roger, like I haven't sweat. <laughs> Are you wearing a headband? <laughs> I actually do own one of those bandanas. <laughs> Never worn it, but I do own one. <laughs> oh my god, I think I've actually just discovered the dictionary definition of being a tosser. <laughs> <laughs>